0: Welcome to the Nation's Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Can you come with me to Mark? Mark chapter 6, verse 45. It says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida while he... Dismissed the crowd, having and after leaving him, he went out up into a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went to them walking on the lake, as you do. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost and they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. He climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down, and they were completely amazed, for they had not understood. Listen to this, I want you to catch this. They had not understood about the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves. Different versions say it slightly differently, but the, the loaves, the big deal there was the that you know, the, the little boy's lunch, the, the fish and the bread, and it was multiplication. And uh, and Jesus said, um, sorry, they did not understand, Mark says, about the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves because their hearts were hardened. Come with me to Luke, have a look at Luke, chapter 15. And we pick up a bit of the story here of the lost son, Um, the prodigal son as 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 he's known. And then it said, he, he partied, he said, Pops, give me my, my inheritance. I'm out of here, exit, stage left, snaggle puss. I'm going to party with my friends. Went to a whole lot of Gentile friends. While the money was there and the grog was flowing and the party was on, the, the, you know, the, the party sausage rolls and the, and the party pies were on, people were flocking around. When he ran out of money, so did they. They split. He ended up uh, feeding pigs, which for a Jewish kid, ain't all that kosher. And we pick that story up and says after he'd spent everything, there was severe famine in the whole land and he began to be in need. So he hired himself out to a citizen of that country, as I said, a Gentile, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach. You've got to know you're desperate when you want to eat what the pigs are eating as a Jewish kid. But no one gave him anything. And he says when he had come to his senses, again, a little phrase I want you to take note of. Boom. He snapped out of it. He came to his senses and uh, he said, how many of my father's servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death. And so he, he turned, he got his speech prepared, he turned, went back to dad. And the Bible says in verse 20, he got up, went to his father and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him, father, for the next 20 minutes we have, Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of your precious word. Lord, I pray that it would, it would penetrate deep into our hearts, that we would mix the word with faith, and that it would accomplish exactly what you desire it to. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, coming out of a conference... Um, is always somewhat of a, of a euphoric experience. So you've had a, a, w- a couple of waves of that. The accomplishment of opening a significant building like this is, gives a, 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 a almost like a backdraft of, of joy to all of you. And, and indeed you should. Um, from Pastor Ken, Pastor Chrissy, through the whole team, those of you, many who sacrificed or gave very sacrificially, you did it. There's a wave of euphoria that can come with that. And then after a conference, the, the, you go, oh my gosh. And we all have conference stories about what Jesus and what the Holy Spirit did. So, so I'm not wanting to take away from any of that. I'm incredibly impressed with your building. I love your pastors. We've known them for decades And I am excited about what God is doing in nations and what God is still to do. But a building is us together and a conference is us together. I want to lay up a bit of a word for the next 20 minutes or so that would be in order to maximise and align with God's heart for his kingdom to maximise the building and to maximise United. It's actually about seeing those things in your life personally as a springboard for whom God is creating you to be on mission everywhere you go. So that's where we're going with that. Um, and so as we think about it, the title of my message, if you're looking for one, is The Power of a Tree. The Power of a Tree. Um, trees are featured heavily in scripture. Um, I've heard it said that a society, a church, a community can be measured in terms of its health when old dudes plant trees under whose shade they will never sit. God himself is that kind of God. He, he calls himself the God of Abraham. You might have be able to help with this. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of... I didn't hear you online, joking. He's a three-generational God. And see what happens if we become self focused. Anyone ever had a toothache? Like, it's, all you can think about is, is the pain. My daughter in America had a, had a root canal the other day, and she, she was still she was, like her whole face was just throbbing. And all you can think about, well, again, probably there's not many here with a toothache this morning, but sometimes we're going to have a soul ache. And the more pain we're in, and the more uncertainty, the more confusion, the more we focus on us. Whereas God's saying, no, 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 no. I am a generational God. I'm a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22, it says, A good man, say a good good man, and that's generic, a good man, good woman, lays up an inheritance for his children's children. So God's a multi-generational God. We see it again uh, regularly. The reason that the gospel writers, some of them, went to pains to put down all the baguettes—Bob <laughs> beget baguette Tom, begot Roger, begot Simon, begot Reggie—because God was interested in lineage. He was interested in generations. Yeah, he was interested in multiplication. Yes, he was interested in nations, but he was also interested in generations, and so God's heart was always that. If you go back to the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter two and I think verse eight, uh, it, it talks about when when Eve is contemplating the trees in the garden. In fact, God was speaking to Eve, and He said, "Eve, you can have. Hey, guys, you guys, 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 you can have all the trees you like. See that watermelon tree over there with mega watermelons." He said, whip one open and stuff your face in it and go f- crazy. I, I don't know whether he actually said that. I'm making that. But like, like he, there was this lavishness. Often God gets a bad rap as being some Scrooge McDuck duck in the sky, like a, some sort of stingo, El Chipo. Nothing can be further the truth. He said, have it all. Just don't touch the ones in the middle. Tree of Life. And note the, t- the title The Tree of the Knowledge of Good and Evil. Which, is, which, which of course she took of that. And, and it wasn't just about the disobedience. Think about what the tree was. The tree, God's domain, don't touch the merchandise, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is God's domain. He is best placed to decide what is good and evil. In Eve taking of that fruit, giving it to Adam, mankind said, nope. I will decide what is good and evil. And that's where the problem started. People have replaced Godcast for podcasts. Hearing from God from hearing a whole lot of opinions. I'm not against podcasts. But don't get your theology from there. God, God, God's cast. God wants to speak into you. He's broadcasting. And, uh, and, so, and so that's where all the problems started. You see, this whole story started in a garden of trees. And then the greatest deception happened by a tree. Did God really say? And then Jesus won our salvation on a tree. And then at the end of the story, in Revelation 22, there's this beautiful crystal clear river and then there's trees on either side of the river, the the, the leaves of which are for the healing of the nation, trees. Trees at the start, trees in the middle, trees at the end. Trees, trees, trees. The power of a tree. My, uh, my beautiful wife, Valerie, uh, been married nearly 39 years and still madly in love. And as I said to the first service, she likes me most days as well. <laughs> I said, most days. Some of you married, married people here, too scared to even make a comment then. <laughs> just look straight ahead. Ladies, just don't bruise your husband's ribs right now. I still like you most days. My shoes. Trees. So, so my wife was married as a younger girl before me. And uh, her husband, we're first generation Christians. Her husband walked out with someone else after a couple of years. And uh, when, she was, when she, she was a flight attendant for Ansett Airlines, um, that was before they had jet propulsion, used to get on and just pedal. Everyone was doing... You know. But she was a flight attendant there. And he walked out. She didn't know where he was for a long time. So she was devastated, obviously. And so she bought a little sapling, a little tree, a little Poinciana tree up in Queensland. And she would water it in the afternoon when the sun was getting a bit cooler. And she would cry. She would water it and cry. And then she moved down to Sydney, joined Qantas. I lobbed in. About four years later, I knew got killed a couple of times, including a drunk driving episode that I was the only one driving, oh, sorry, I was the only one in the car, flipped a V-dub on the way from one bar to another outside of Long Bay Jail, which is the, the Sydney, main, major Sydney jail back in the day, which is quite appropriate at the time. Should have been killed, had a little scratch on my back. Uh, a couple of months later, I walked into the church that she'd become part of. We met, fell in love, got married, had kids, and we're up on the Gold Coast, near where she used to live, about 23 years after she planted that sapling. And I said, do you want to go back and check out the property you used to own? And she said, really? I said, come on, let's do it. So we had a little, little convertible. The kids had gone off to youth camp. And, uh, and so we, she couldn't remember the number, but she remembered the, the street. So we found the street. The, 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 it's sort of in the afternoon. And we rounded the street. And what we saw was this incredible tree that was now overseeing not only her property, but the properties on either side. I think we might even have a shot of that. There we go. In fact, interesting enough, that was about 23 years on. Our daughter also had a tragic divorce. She'd only been married 11 months. Married basically an abuser. And, uh, and so we were able to, uh, after that, take her back. And her and my beautiful wife stood under the tree. That my wife had planted through her tears. God had watered it as God was watering her life. Now listen, look at me, look at me, look at me. (laughs) You who've ever had a tragedy. You who've ever made a big mistake. You who've ever known the pain of marriage or relationship breakdown. Online, look at me right now. Listen up. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd love to have a cappuccino, but listen up. Your past need never dictate the amazing generational destiny that God has for you in your life. God's a generational God. And the same God that watered that tree is watering your life as well. The only way you'll stay bound to your past if you refuse to let it go. There are some people in this house today, in the next 10 minutes, that are going to let it go. Everyone say, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. go. (laughs) God's a generational God, friends. He really is. You know, he, He loves us understanding that in the here and now, the decisions we are making... Have implications not just for us and our immediate family. The decisions you are making now, bless you, have the impact of rolling on and affecting generations. There's a couple of words in the Bible for time. One is the word Chronos, which is the you know ticking of the clock. Well, not ticking in an Apple watch because it doesn't tick, but you know a tick, tick, tick. That kind of, that's Chronos. Then there's kairos, which is the, the word for opportune time or, or, or God moment in time. And then there's genia, or some of the genios, which is generations. And then aenios, which is eternity. Watch this. We don't have to watch it, just listen. You doing okay? So, so in the midst of chronos time, if you'll recognise the Kairos moment and you'll make decisions that line up with God's plan, the impact for you and yours will be generational that will be heralded throughout all eternity. Somehow I wish it'd be amazing if even some of, some of those that are younger here, and again, I'm looking across, there's, there's a, a lot of vibrant young people and a lot of vibrant grey hairs and less hairs here as well. It's a generational church. I love that. I love that. But imagine imagine if you back there making decisions could somehow get a glass to the generational walls and your grandkids, in some cases, that don't even exist. You say, I'm not even married. I'm like 16. Give me a break. <laughs> but you could, you could hear the giggling of their laughter. You know, and, and get, come with me on the metaphor, literally or metaphorically. But but that and, and, and somehow you would hear them say, Papa that's what I'm called. Grandma, thank you. Thank you for loving Jesus. Thank you for making hard decisions. Thank you for lining your life up with the righteousness and the grace that is won for you at the cross. Because us here, we are now benefiting from the decisions you have made generationally. In the here and now, it ain't just about you. It ain't just about me. It's the knock-on effect of Generations. Jesus was hitting on this topic when he was in the, in the boat with the marvellettes. He says, come on, get out. I'm going for a pray with dad. And, uh, and so they're on the, and, the, and the, the storm came up. They're trying. There's a bunch of fish amongst these guys. So they're not exactly nautical like zero. They, 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 they get it, but they're freaking out. And so Jesus thought, well, I'll really freak him out. So he starts walking on the water. Ah, it's a ghost. And the Bible says he would have walked past them. That's interesting. We could probably unpack that all day. But you've probably got lunch, so we won't. I'm nearly done. I've probably got about 90 minutes to go. I've got a fair bit still to go. Bit of nervous laughter from Pastor Chrissy. So they, they were... They were like incredulous when Jesus got into the boat and the storm was stilled, calmed. They're like, whoa! Like the English there doesn't know, No, it says they were really amazed. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the, the, the original language was like cartwheel sort of stuff. Whoa! Jesus, that's amazing! It was, it, that, that's, that's not a bad theatrical definition of the way that that really does communicate. And Jesus says, chill out, guys. He said, the only reason you're so excited there is because you, you didn't believe about the multiplication of the loaves. Like talking about loaves, not. Now, that seems crazy to me because there were some other pretty cool miracles that Jesus could refer to. That's because you don't believe or understand the miracle of the paralyzed dude that was flat on his back and all of a sudden he's jumping and praising God. He didn't say that. Or the dude that had a withered hand. And Jesus says, stretch it out. It's like, Whoa. They didn't say it. He says, you are so amazed at the fact that I can get in your boat and the storm stops because you don't believe the miracle of the multiplication of the loaves. Huh? See, there are a couple of miracles related to that. One was the feeding of the 5,000, which was essentially the Jews, churches, and there was the feeding of the 4,000, which was to Gentiles, non-churchies. And, and Jesus, Jesus loves multiplying crazy miraculous stuff with churches and non-churchies. And it's interesting that, that, that the disciples in the second miracle, they forgot, they, got, they had a swag of, of bread left over. You know the story, basket loads. And yet they forgot to bring bread on the boat. And Jesus said, beware of the... This is in the second lot. Beware, Mark eight. Beware of the 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 the, 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 the what is it? Eleven of the Pharisees, and the, and the they, oh God, he's having to go at us because we didn't bring any bread. What is it with the bread and you guys? All they could see was the natural. They missed the supernatural. They missed what God was doing in them now to try and reinforce the miracle of multiplication, or if you like, not just nations, but generations, to Timothy 2 Timothy two commit these things to faithful men who are able to teach, to teach, to teach, generations. Yeah. You Got it? Yeah. And so they said they didn't get that. Frankly, most of the church doesn't get that. That's probably why I've got a job. <laughs> we don't try and do God's job. God says, I will build my church, but he never promised to make one disciple. And so we, that's what we do. That's what we do with our kids off the streets. God's heart is that we understand that he's a multiplication kind of God. He wants to take the work of the Holy Spirit at United, that I renamed Unify, and the new building, and the power of worship, and the amazing leadership team. He wants to multiply that not for you, but through you. Yeah. And understand that your role here, no matter who you are, some of us, some of us our, our, our spiritual self-esteem is so low that even at a time of full employment, we find ourselves spiritually unemployed. Wow. Wow. And God says, "I have put seeds of greatness in your heart. I don't make any junk. I am wanting to fill you with the Holy Spirit. I've given you the name of Jesus that's above every other name. I've canonized my word. Now go get him, tiger. Okay, God. So I've got the gift of sitting with my bum on a seat. That's my gift. (laughs) Amen, pastor. How's that, Jesus? It's like, no. I've called you. To be a weapon. A spirit-filled revival unit portable wherever you go. No wonder we've got so many absolutely drop kick, miserable believers. It's like, well, I'm just going to church. God's put a Rolls-Royce or a Ferrari on the inside. It's like first gear. God's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they? Now's the time. There's a reset that's happening all over the world. And it's a set up by God if you and I would step up into all we're called to. But sometimes our, our insecurity and our lack of identity in Christ and even the shame that we carry. The father ran toward the son. The prodigal son squandered everything and dad ran. It was such an uncool thing for dad to do. Like a Jewish dad never would expose his legs. It was just like, you think, well, how do he go for a swim? Let's not get into the detail there. But he would not do it. He had a robe, and in order to run, he, he actually had to, look, he had to kind of roll his, roll his thing up, tuck his dressing gown into his, into his, into his robe, into his, into his cord. And then he'd start to run. <laughs> now, you, I, I can expose my legs, I know, it's a yeah, nice legs, shame about the face, whatever. <laughs> and I'm probably not going to, like some of you were thinking, now oh, you're an idiot. Yeah, I am, I am. <laughs> but I'm probably not going to trash my reputation completely. <laughs> I might have a church somewhere in Australia that will still have me back to preach probably in 2025. That's okay, it's okay. But for a Jewish man back then, you might as well have just trashed your reputation forever and so the kid starts to turn his head for home he's got his speech and you might ask why why then would dad put his reputation on the line what was it well obviously he loved his kid Duh. but there's something else many commentators have talked about and this this pertains to you in the here and now you see if your identity is so out of whack and you really, though you can say it, you don't believe you're a son or a daughter of the most high God. If your insecurity is speaking louder than God's wholeness and his grace. If your shame is poured down on you, it'll cause you to be inward focused and, and, and here and now focused rather than even be open, open up to the generational thing that God has for you. So there's a thing called the Kazaza ceremony. And what would happen, when a kid would trash his father's inheritance, the, the, the villagers, the men, would run out and surround the, the young man. And, and before, dad wasn't invited to that ceremony. And, and, and they would take a pot and they would smash the pot. And they would pick up shards and they would say, you are dead to us. You are cut off from this community. You have shamed your shame on you. Many commentators believe that dad ran to get ahead of the villagers to undercut their shame ceremony. Didn't break enough. That's better. Sound familiar? Your heavenly father sent Jesus to run to the cross, to get ahead of the devil's shame ceremony and die a, a shameful death taking on board your sin and your shame so that when he, is, was, when he said, it is finished, He might as well have said, shame off you. Yes. Come on, if you want to give Jesus a clap, make sure it's a good one. <laughs> Closing with this. I, I just, I, I want... I want you to allow this notion of, I am a generational man or woman of God. And the Holy Spirit is not just about, and, it, and I'm, I love miracles, right? But it's not just about instant miracles. Often the time, often the reason people need miracles, some, it's just through neglect. And so God is wanting us to take the message of the greatest news of all time as we're fueled with the Spirit, as we come out of the back of Unify United, as we come out even of this incredible service where the worship time was amazing and to understand you are a receptacle of God. You are a man or a woman on mission. I buried a friend of mine six months ago 52 knowing him back even as long as I've known Bill great to have Bill Bassett my good buddy of 30 years one of our directors at Lead Escape and uh, here with us with me and uh, but Anthony was his contemporary back then and uh, he was an amazing man of God he put four and a half thousand people through Alpha he built a campus from 42 people to 1200 or something and dropped dead during the worship time, on that leading into doing his funeral, I, I, I got a, a, a bit of a like a I won't say it's a vision, it was an impression of a huge hallway. They were singing a song at the time, "Life, Lord, Lord, remind me this is not life is not my destination. Life is a, this is not my destination. Life is a hallway," and I, and I saw this big. It was like this hallway with these big hunking um, doors. Uh, And this is not a photo of what I had, but I think there's some photos of hallways with lights. And, And as Anthony drew his last breath here on planet Earth, the doors flung open with a radiant light that almost knocked him off his feet. That's what I saw in my mind's eye. And the very next breath that he breathed was the atmosphere of heaven. Here's the thing. You don't know, I don't know how far we are along that hallway. And all I know is that Jesus said, occupy till I come. Be shame free and generational in focus and understand the reason for the Holy Spirit is actually for you to have an impact on this generation that will reverberate through generations, biologically and spiritually. Thanks for listening to the Nation's Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.